Hi, this is Cam Smith, and this is the podcast of Triple R's Eat It, a weekly radio show about food and drink broadcast live on Triple R from Melbourne, Australia every Sunday. Hope you enjoy the podcast and feel free to get in touch with us via the Triple R website. Hey, guys, why don't we eat? Dear, don't cause a fuss. I'll have your spam. I love it. I'm having spam, spam, spam. Cornflakes! 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 Anyone fancy a pint? Suit you, sir. Spam, 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 baked beans, spam, 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 and spam! I said I don't want any damn vegetables. Lentils are really good, you know? Mmm, forbidden donut. A very, very good afternoon to you all. It is a little bit past the hour of 12. Eat It is the name of the show. My name's Cam Smith. We're here at the station, and I'm really, really happy to be joined by Carl Chapman. A very, very good afternoon to you, Carl. Good How are you, mate? Yeah, good, Cam. Good afternoon to you, too. Thank you for coming in to, uh, to help out. Always good to be here. Great to see you. Clockwise, my friend, clockwise. And you know what? Um, this is great vindication of this fabulous community radio station when we look back over the last couple hours of radio to be able to talk about this pandemic in such a great in-depth way that maybe commercial networks don't do. So, Dr. Shane, if you can hear me, kudos to you, my friend, and also to the doctors before that. It's the food hour now. And, um, well, we've got a few things. We've had to have a bit of a change of plan, though, uh, Carl. I can imagine. Yeah. <laughs> hey. We're all pivoting still. Somebody said, actually, the pirouette, which I kind of like, which is a little bit more graceful. I prefer pirouetting. Yes. Yeah. and But uh, the shoes are a lot more uh, uncomfortable, I've heard. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, oh, we were supposed to actually chat to a Turkish chef. And uh, his name is Goskin Urso from Tulum in Carlisle Street, St Kilda. Um, yeah, he was supposed to be coming into the studio and he was really, really looking forward to coming into the studio and we were going to talk about how the cuisine of Turkey is so different from its neighbours. Like you think the Greeks are on one side, uh, the Syrians are on another. And, you know, what makes Turkish cuisine what it is, and obviously to promote his business and get some bums on seats. I mean, you know, mm-hmm. commercial reality is notwithstanding, eh, Carl? Exactly. Um, but um, so we had to change that. But 
Um, he has uh, – I let me rewind a bit. Sorry about that, folks. I had a chat to him beforehand and said, listen, we, we're probably going to change because you can't have you come in and I don't want to waste you. Um, how is this affecting your business? And he's saying, well, obviously I have to close my business. But what he is doing, um, and this is going to be mirrored by so many uh, restaurants and small businesses around uh, the state, is, again, the P word. And uh, what he's going to be doing is um, just opening up the window of the restaurant and serving some sandwiches. And But I thought just for the hell of it, I would read this out to you because it is so evocative and maybe we need a good food evocation at the beginning of the hour. He said, let me take you to my dreamland, the Bosphorus, that river that divides Europe and Asia, where your feet can be astride two continents. And he used to use the ferry to cross the Bosphorus to go to his work. And the best thing to do while waiting for the next ferry was to order a delicious fish sandwich from the fisherman, which is simply grilled and served in Turkish white bread with raw onion, lettuce and lemon juice. The first bite was just heavenly with the breeze coming from the Bosphorus and the view of the boats passing by. So there you go. That's what Koskin's going to be doing. He's going to be selling Borex, the Bosphorus fish sandwich, which... I don't know. Has that made you hungry? Sounds incredible. Sounds spe- salivating. Especially with that view, my God. Um, so, yeah, he's going to be doing that um, Friday and Saturday. And obviously he had been doing that on Friday and Saturday. And we'll have to see what on earth happens uh, in the next few days. We should, well, we hope to be out of lockdown. But maybe not. So instead of Koskin, who will be back uh, sometime when we are allow guests to uh, be back in the place. Uh, We are going to be uh, chatting firstly with Najat Abdallah from, um, and she's part of Koei Health. And I'll just rewind you back to the public housing residents in North Melbourne in Flemington who experienced a really, really tough, paternalistic, draconian, awful lockdown uh, in their towers, and um, into coming together following the hard lockdown um, experienced by those public housing communities last year, the residents have put together a cookbook, Cooking Recovery and Connections. And this is to, and please excuse me, I mean, it sounds like a bit of a cliche, to celebrate, but it is to celebrate community resilience and recovery. Now, ironically, they were supposed to have the launch and all come together this week. So that's been a bit of a shame. But I thought we'd get Najat on the show and she's going to be our first guest and she's going to tell us a bit about, well, what they went through, uh, the recipes that uh, are in this book, the nations represented by the people, the residents in the tower, and, um, well, and just give you a chance to download the book because it's available for free and maybe... Just maybe you might be moved enough by her story to donate some money to uh, to the cause, but we'll be speaking to Nishat very, very soon. You've got her queued up, haven't you, Carl? Great. Following that, we're going to have a chat to John at the market. I think he's at the market. We're not quite sure. We're going to find out 
whether he got out of bed and went to the Queen Victoria Market, but uh, it'll be interesting to have a chat with him. And then also a follow-up with uh, Tina Panutsos, who is a beer judge, and um, she has just spent a great deal of time um, using her palate and her stamina to uh, find a winner for the Australian International Beer Awards. So we're doing a little bit of a follow-up. You are listening to 3 R FM, where it is about eight minutes past the hour of 12. Carl, we're going to go straight to Najat. Najat is on the line. I think she is. Najat, are you there? Yes, I'm there, Cam. Hey. Hi, how are you? How you doing? I'm good, how are you? Look, I'm just fine, and I'm look delighted to be able to speak with you and just give a little bit of love to your community, uh, a community in uh, Flemington, North Melbourne, in the Towers, that went through some pretty, pretty hard times uh, with a very, very hard draconian lockdown uh, last year. Um, how, how have you been? Um, thank you. Thank you, Cam. Thanks, Carl, for the opportunity with your radio. Yes. So, so yes, uh, of course, everyone heard of the hard lockdown that happened in the area of North Melbourne and, and Flamington. Mm. But the good thing, while that hard thing was happening, as, as a health concierge, we were working on those buildings and we were really in close contact with the residents. So while the hard thing, while all the negative things was happening, we were trying our best as a health concierge to, to build conversation, to build relationship, to find out what kind of conversation that we can build with the residents. Because the people who live there, they are our neighbors, they are our families, they are our relatives. So while while the hard time was, was happening, mm. you know, sometimes you... You, you think of something that to to engage with with someone yes. or with some group. So talking about food and recipes was really one of the very, very good way of building relationship and even open a conversation with someone while someone is suffering from lockdown, while someone is not able to walk out of their building. Yes. And, you know, it, we found that food is really like, you know, um, how can I say that? It's like an international uh, language that yeah. I can talk to everyone, even if they are not from my my family or not from my community. It bridges so cultures, Najat, doesn't it? It bridges cultures. And, yes. and this is one of the things that we have found so many times in the Australian experience is that yes. the ability to understand the other, um, first of all, it seems, the first steps of understanding another nationality, other peoples, is to understand the food, yeah? That's that's very true. That's very true. I always I always say, you know, music and food mm. is is like you there is no like boundaries between between cultures. Yes. If, if we understand food, if we understand music, so that's mean, you know, me and the others we can find common Yes. Common ground that we can come together with. So food was really um, uh, that common uh, ground between uh, us as people who is working with co-health and the residents. Mm. 
Okay, actually, let's uh, let's. I uh, just need to just um, hold up because I, I probably, if I'm a better broadcaster, I should have introduced you and given your title. So you work for CoHealth, Najat, and mm-hmm. uh, as you said before, you are the uh, the health concierge. First of all, what is CoHealth, and um, and uh, tell us about uh, your title and uh, how you got it and what that means. I, at the moment, I'm a community support officer, mm. and uh, at the same time, I started as a health concierge. Health concierge, the thing that we were doing at that time is like promoting um, and uh, promoting um, and and giving people information how to take care of themselves, where to find the correct, accurate information, oh, how they please. can approach services whether it is co-health or other services too. So we were making things available and easy for residents that they can approach to to find the right information, accurate uh, information during this hard lockdown. And at the same time, it was somehow like, you know, uh, a social support camp. Yeah. It was not only a job that we were doing because the people who live there, they are, they are my aunties, my, my, my cousins, my neighbors, you know yeah. what I mean? Yeah, so they, it was they became the, whole thing. the extended family, yeah, in a way. Yes, yes, yes. yes. So it was, it was somehow uh, also a social, social support for mm. everyone, and not only for for the residents, even you know, for 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 the whole Melbourne, because it was really a topic at that time. The hard lockdown that happened. And the, and the, the thing was that that you guys bore the brunt of the the beginning of uh, the lockdown, if if my memory serves me right, and yes. and also probably one of the hardest responses too. Yeah, I mean, what what was that like? Uh, you know, I remember that was I think I think it was Saturday when the first time me personally I heard yeah. uh, these things happening, and I think it was after. After four thirty p.m. Okay. Wow. Okay. And, that... and then it was really yeah. You see, we, everyone remember this time. Yes. I'm telling you. Four thirty yes. on Saturday. Yeah. Yes. And then it was really and it was really difficult for me to understand what is lockdown mean. Yeah. And how how come? And then we looked around we and yeah. then yes. And then you see the police everywhere. Yeah. Okay, if if there is something happening in regard to health, if there is a virus happening, police, what police can do? They should you should bring uh, nurses, doctors, hospitals, ambulance. <laughs> yeah. not, not police. You understand what I'm not, saying? Not a whole bunch of cops, because the way that yeah. it seemed, um, uh, the response was it was about not so much a, a health crisis, but it became. A containment crisis. It was yeah. about keeping yeah. everybody yeah. in the building, and there was the, well, dear, I'm resorting to cliche, but the ring of steel down at the yeah. bottom, so no one could get out, and you would have felt like a prisoner, no? Mm-mm. Let us let us go back to the to the main to the main uh, things when this lockdown was happening. I don't want to lose the track talking back about our our project. Come the the. Quite rightly too. Yeah. Okay, so let's just acknowledge that it was very, very hard times and through that everybody yes. came together and yes. because that food became such an important thing, someone yes. said, let's do a cookbook. 
Yes. You know how, how I said to you we were having this conversation between uh, us and the resident, and sometimes mm. they were providing us with tea and coffee, and they bring food from upstairs because our table were in front of the of the buildings. Yep. So it was very hard for us to say to them, no, we can't take the food from you because there is restriction. And it really hit us very hard because it's daily, it's daily details for us to share food. Yeah. In the morning, I can walk up while I'm making my breakfast. I can share it with my neighbor or with my neighbor or with my, you know, downstairs relative. So you can imagine you can do the thing that you were doing every day. So mm-hmm. when when the lockdown uh, finished, um, the idea already was there. And then how can we bring all these uh, recipes? How can we make the people who were just talking orally about food and they were trying to share food with each other, how can we make this something visible? How can we create something so residents can see it with their own eyes? So the, uh, the, the idea of the project to make a book born while the lockdown was happening. And then in February, mm-hmm. we, we started to think practically how can we bring people together to create the book? You know what I mean? So, I so yes. So we said, okay, let us let us go and make arrange for picnic. We invite everyone. Yeah. Everyone will be there. Yeah. We we share meals together. Yeah, and. What, yes. they, and everybody yes. picked out their some of their favourites and went, "Oh my God, I love that! Yes. You've got to do yes. that one." Yes, yes. And and so um, just, I'm I'm kind of interested the the nationalities that um, are involved in this in these recipes. Can you maybe talk to that a little bit? Yes, yes. We've got we've got many 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 uh, communities. Yes. Um, Somalis, Ethiopian. Uh, Eritrean, Egyptian, uh, North Sudanese, South Sudanese, and many, many other other um, um, communities who participate with, with recipes. Yes. And not only recipes, even children, they participate in this book with their drawing and their art. I don't know if you have a look at the book. You, know, you can see all this I'm art. looking yeah, at all the, the fruit and the watermelon, yes. nice little things yes. of watermelon and in did, texture. And, Yes, and did you see the woman with the with the with the with the big cup of coffee on her head? This yeah. is one of the girls Actually, has made this, this art. Yes, Najat, uh, maybe it's a good time to allow people to play along with us. If uh, if you go to dear listener cohealth dot org dot au on the very very front page, you will see yes. uh, the cookbook, and you can download it yes. for free. And um, and you can check it all out. So, yeah, children's drawings are there. Um, mm-hmm. <clears throat> there's recipes from all over um, the world, and and some cuisines which haven't really been represented here in Australia. And I think it's a it's a it's a great entrance to um, some of these cuisines. And there are some really really moving. Um, there are really moving accounts. And mm. one that really got to me, Najad, if you would allow me to read it, please, uh, mm-hmm. was from uh, Navneet. I hope I'm pronouncing mm-hmm. that right. Her butter chicken. Mm-hmm. 
And she just states so simply, and yet to me this is so profound. She says, I love butter chicken because there is a very beautiful story behind this. When I was a child, my mother cooked butter chicken for my big family and everyone enjoyed it very much. She taught me this recipe. I love this because it's my family favorite dish and I'm very far from them. Whenever I miss them, I cook butter chicken. Oh. And that says a lot about food and the power of food, doesn't it? Food, food is powerful. As I mentioned to you at the beginning of my conversation, uh, Cam, mm. that it really, the lockdown, it really hits us heavily. Yes. You know? Yes. And, and one of the things is food. Imagine, imagine you can't share your favorite dish with your favorite people. You will, you will sit in your own and eat in your own. It's in the culture. In our culture, eating in your own is, we don't know that. We don't know how to eat in our own. You have to have someone with you. You have to share your meal with someone. I don't know how I can explain this more and more, Cam, but when it comes to food, food is celebration for us. Food. We celebrate making food. food. Is... We celebrate making tea. We celebrate making coffee. So food is about uh, is about family. It's about people. It's not about yes. a solitary existence. And and yes. this is the thing. Now uh, there are beautiful, beautiful recipes in here. Uh, there is now. What did you say your favourite one was? Koshari. Koshari. <laughs> Egyptian food. Yes. Yes. Can you describe kushari for us? Kushari, kushari is kushari. made of oh yes, it's made out of all the beans on on the earth, you know. Mm. <laughs> so you just put it together yeah. and you cook it and you add some um, um, spice. You can make it uh, very spicy or mild. Yeah. And and that's it. And you add some sauce. Or you can add. Um, In this case, you can, tomato yes, sauce. Yes, tomato sauce, and um, I like to add garlic. Yeah, hey, garlic, we're only human, yes, huh? Garlic. Yeah. Do you like the coriander so, in there too? Hmm? Coriander. Yes, coriander, mm. uh, garlic, and you can add too. At the end, when you finish cooking it, you can add some. Cinnamon on that on the top. Oh, I and love that. And, yes, and that's something and that we uh, we as Australians are sort of slowly getting and starting to understand. Turkish yes. food and Middle Eastern foods, uh, like a, a great yes. example of that. We're probably going to have to draw this to a close soonish. But yes. uh, the okay, here we go. I'm going to try and pronounce something. Baris kalikaris, rice with meat, and. Uh, this is basically a lamb meat dish, but it has garlic, it has cinnamon, it has cardamom, it has cumin, it has turmeric, it has fresh coriander, it's got coriander seed, and it just sounds divine. It really, really does. And these recipes are all available for you, dear listener, if you would like to join and celebrate uh, with the group. I mean, it's been a terrible irony that this was the week that everybody was supposed to come together and celebrate the uh, the fact that this cookbook had become real. 
Yes. So yes. I'm, I'm it, sorry it that didn't happen. It was really so sad for us to postpone the event, but we, but I hope this week we'll finish and we're not going into further lockdown. But it yes. will, we yes. arrange we arrange for the event. We we connect with people. Uh, we build that relationship, and and many people they collaborate with us to celebrate the book. But it's it's not just uh, we will we will make another time. And we hope we can come good. together and uh, and celebrate this um, accomplishment. Yeah, no, that's good. So the, the the name of this book is called Cooking, Recovery, and Connections. Yeah. Packed with eighteen recipes and beautiful artwork um, about yes. you, uh, which explores the diversity of the cultural backgrounds, as you said, yes. Somalian, Ethiopian, Eritrean, Indian, Egyptian, South mm. Sudanese. Can you just tell us again how we can get this book? And also, more importantly, if people want to donate some money uh, to the group, which will give people, uh, will kind of liberate them because they're all working very, very hard. How do they do that, Najat? Uh, yes. Um, I just want to say before before I go to what you told me, mm. the, 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 the project... Um, is a community-led and a community-owned project. Yes. So from the first beginning till organizing the the event that was supposed to be the the 29th, it's led by the community, the team that were working very hard from the first beginning till uh, Saturday. This is first. The second thing, if we go to cohealth.org.au, and you download the book, and then maybe we thought we don't want just the project to finish and there is no result for it. We want a little bit to pay back to people who were working hard within the community, and they were providing their time. They were doing, they were working so hard uh, within within the community. Uh, This group, one of the groups that the team agreed to do the donation to, they are Sister Sister Works. This is their name. So, if you want to donate, if you want to buy the book and pay some amount of money, please make the donation to Sister Works. Is that a separate it's, website to CoHealth? It is no. It's it. You will find it in the same oh, in, the, in the home page of CoHealth. Beautiful. You see how you find the book to download the book, yeah. and then. The last bit is like um, you will find donate to Sister Work. You click there, and then and then you can you can. Uh, but saying that, saying that the book is free. We yes. were planning to give one thousand and three hundred copies in the event camp yep. for everyone, for everyone. But this is something that we thought about it uh, to donate and to give to this uh, group, Sister Works. For the whole, uh, like for the, for their hard work and dedication. Thank you, to, to give to the community. Yes. Thank you. All right. Well, um, just again, we've been speaking with uh, the health concierge from CoHealth, the community support officer and resident, Najat Abdallah. Congratulations on all you've done. CoHealth.org.au is where to get started. Um, I hope that you're able to get the community together and celebrate um, what has been a fabulous undertaking and it's been a delight to speak with you today. Thank you, Cam. Thanks for you and Carl. Thank you for the opportunity. Thank you, Najat.
Thank you. Bye-bye. Ciao. Bye-bye. Triple R on FM, digital, online and via the app. Well, um, ladies and gentlemen, just uh, news that's come to hand here. Uh, Victorian Treasurer Tim Pallas has just announced that despite multiple requests over the past few days, he's been told by the Morrison government they will not be giving any financial support to Victorian workers or businesses. Something to think about if you are one of the 500,000 casual employees in this state. Wow. There you go. Thought I'd mention that. Carl just came through from Elizabeth McCarthy. Thank you, Elizabeth. Uh, but uh, here's John at John, the market. Yep, John's on the yeah. line. G'day, buddy. Sorry, we just had to mention that. A uh, little bit of a yeah. handbrake reality check That's type bad. thing. Sheesh, hey? We're still there? Yeah, we're still here. I'm still here. You're still there. You're at the market, yeah? Came, you dropped out. Oh, did I? Um, I think we're good. Carl's going, we should be okay, unless I've hit mute or something. That's not sounding good, is it? Uh, John, can you you hear me, John? Yeah, I can hear you now. Okay. Uh, Cam, you should be audible to John. Uh, Should be. Maybe if I turn off my microphone, that might... No, I can hear you. You can hear me now? Yes, I can hear you. You dropped out for a little while. Oh, well, there we go. Well, thank goodness for that. John, how are you? You're at the market. I'm lucky I was going to say I'm missing standing in the sun, but I'm sitting in the sun. You're missing standing in the sun, mate, because the sun's come out and it's glorious. Oh, really. it's, uh, yeah, it, there was a promise of a beautiful winter's day or um, a late autumn day. I suppose we should look at it, I guess. Uh, yes, and it really is because it was crisp this morning. Mm. Um, the cars and the grass were all... Um, Wet and icy. Did you get but, crispiness? Uh, Did you get crunch, crunch as you were walking? Yeah, a little bit. Oh, okay. And, uh, it's, it's come up a beautiful Melbourne day, so we're all happy. Actually, that was uh, you've um, just uh, prefaced a question I wanted to ask you, um, which was, what time do you actually get up in the morning? Uh, on a real market day, three mm. o'clock. Yes. And um, we go out to Epping. I've got a... 35, 40-kilometre drive to the Epping Market, and then we do our buying and come back to the Vic and set up and sell. Wow. Uh, today was a little bit later, 7 o'clock start. That's a sleep-in for me. Yeah, my God. And and just the other side, just to get an idea of just what the day in the life of John is all about, I suppose you'd have to get to bed pretty early, wouldn't you? Uh, no, I've never been one to sleep a lot. Right. If I'm really tired, I might get... Um, and now I keep while I'm watching a movie instead of watching the movie. And, um, and if I get four hours sleep in bed, I'm happy. Four hours? Yeah. Wow. I keep running and everything's good. You're like the Energizer Bunny. My God. Okay, anyway. Um, all right, so looking around the market, first of all, are there a lot of people down there? And, um, and there, then... There's a few more walking around the market, but it's a very lazy walk around the market. Yeah. Um, Yesterday we got a, a surprise. It was very, very quiet until about 10 o'clock, and then it went bang and it came in waves. Um, all our regulars came out yesterday, yeah. and we ended up having a reasonable day. And I was hoping to put the icing on it today, but it's uh, slowly, slowly, so we'll take it as it comes. What's the line of the donut fan? That's always a good sort of indicator of the market, I reckon. 
Well, I can't see a line at the moment. Oh, last okay. week, oh, actually, yes, it's just up to the edge of our um, aisle. Last week, it was way down towards Victoria Street. Yeah. So, yeah, um, like I said, I think people have come out late because um, they, they didn't want to get out into the cold air and uh, they're going to enjoy their day and good luck to them. Yeah. So what's good at the market at the moment? What, uh, what, what are you looking around and seeing? Well, uh, I'm seeing some beautiful tomatoes because that's where we are. Hey, People are, hey that's, uh, hey, still goes happy. without saying, huh? What's, yeah. uh, what's, what's the pick? The pick? They, they've been buying the Doncaster tomatoes. Yeah. They've been buying the ugly ones. Uh, we, we say they're bad shape, good flavour, yeah. and they really are. Sounds like, a sounds like myself. Flavor, yes. A little bit higher in acid than some of the other tomatoes. Mm. Um, some have been buying tomatoes to cook. They're making um, either a pasta or a soup um, to warm themselves up. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, but still a lot buying for salad. And we've got some lovely heirlooms. We've got cherry truss, mini Roma truss. Uh, we've got oxhearts, roots of marmom, some beautiful black Russians. And then we've got a mix of um, other heirlooms. Uh, we've got pink Romas and red Romas. Uh, we've got pink round tomatoes um, and uh, different uh, varieties than and similar to a rouge de marmont, mm. nice and red and crisp. And uh, people are still making beautiful salads, even though that's cooled down a little bit. And uh, also green beans and um, cauliflower have been popular this week. People are getting into making soups and minestrones as well. So they've been buying beautiful carrots, celery, parsnips and that to put into the soup. And digging out um, maybe the... Uh, been the... buying a few bones to put in to give mm. it a bit of flavour as well. I was going to say, they're digging out the parmesan rinds to stick in the minestrone? Yeah, more than likely. Um, oh, you hope so. Yeah, just to give it that extra kick and uh, something to look for um, and fight over who's going to get the rind and suck on it. Yeah, that's it. I made a beautiful soup. Oh, my God, it was just fantastic. There's still some left, actually. I finally did get a smoked ham hock, John, because we've been talking about this for a few months now. Ham hock, white bean soup with some carrots, celery, you know, your mirepoix. But you know what made it special, John? Tell me. I cooked it. And then I walked away from it. Yeah, I was nice able to... Yep, yeah, so what I did was I, I cooked it all up and then I cooled it down, put it in the fridge for a little bit of a 24-hour chill-out so that all those flavours could uh, merge together and then warmed it up and put lots of parsley. My God, it was good. Isn't it always better once it's all um, intermixed and the flavours uh, come out? and you really sit down and enjoy it. Especially with something like a soup with lots of different flavours. Like, you know, if you do a pumpkin soup, we've talked about you doing butternut pumpkin, and, and I say to you, you know, it doesn't need anything. It can just be the puree of pumpkin. You can eat that immediately. It doesn't really change that much. But when you have a whole bunch of different ingredients, they all, by putting them back in the fridge, they all get to sort of meld together, and it just tastes so much nicer. Yes, I agree. Mm. Wow. And all we need to put on the in the end is maybe a little bit of um, grated cheese and uh, a bit of hot chilli into it when we're eating it, and uh, away you go. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, I also I was pretty proud. I made a really, really nice uh, amatriciana sauce the other day. That was good too. Very good. Thank you.
but that's enough about me. Let's hear from you. Um, uh, Fruit-wise, what's uh, what's good at the moment? The we the sort of the, the Mandarina index. They'd be ready by now to eat, wouldn't they? The Imperials. Uh, Joseph was showing me a photo last night. Someone was flogging boxes of mandarins, the small ones, boxes um, for ten dollars. No. And, um, Around the market, you can pick them up a dollar fifty, two dollars a kilo. Wow. Um, if you get the um, bigger, firmer varieties like Arfora and that, they're up to six dollars a kilo. Yeah. Um, Jenny's got some lovely, nice ones there. Um, oh, I think they're Imperials, three dollars a kilo. Wow. Bananas are about the only fruit that's expensive at the moment. Yeah, was that? Um, well, it's a shortage, so, yeah. you know, we, we rely on supply and demand. If it's not there, we have to pay to bring it in, and um, we pay, you pay. So when there's too many, we get them cheaper, you get them cheaper. Yes. So, you know, if you have to have your banana a day, well, you have to bite the bullet and buy the bananas. If not, there's so many different varieties of apples, you know, just glancing, I can see seven or eight varieties of apples, mm. Australian at that. Yep. And two or three varieties of pears, then there's mushy pears. And then there's an abundance of kiwis. Um, at the moment, there's green, yellow, and the red. Um, I've taken a liking to the red kiwis because red kiwi. when they're on the right side, they taste like jam. Red kiwi? I don't think I've had a red red kiwi. Really? Yeah, yeah. Look for it. Oh, we'll have to show you. Next time, I'll, I'll look, I'll be down once, you know, we're, we're allowed to. And... Uh, you might have to show me one of those. I've never had it. I know the yellow. I know the green. But yeah, they're um, a, a little bit uh, limey colour rather than brown colour on the skin. Yeah. Um, some of the varieties are not as furry as a brown one. Mm. And um, we try to eat the skin as well because the skin's nice to eat. Yeah. And, uh, bit like of roughage. It tastes like jam, yeah. Scrape out your guts while it goes through you, eh, John? Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. That's and uh, strobes. There's strobes, but they look a little bit pale. Um, but they may taste okay because there are varieties. The the original Victorian strawberries were white on the tip and white inside, and they were full of sugar. Really? And then the trend went that everyone wanted red ones, so they bred red ones, and we lost our old style strawberries. But they're bringing in different varieties now, so. You'd have to try them to see whether they're sweet or not. Okay. Um, I can see three, three fifty. Robbie, I know he's got four dollars on his, mm. uh, and there's half kilo packs as well. So look for those as well. It's always nice to have a strawberry, um, just for a treat. Um, sometimes just to change the flavour in the mouth. You pick up a strawberry and eat it. Um, passion fruit, five for two bucks. Still, you like your passion fruit, don't you? I like it when it's that price. Yeah. Yeah, so, you know, you can make your own passiona drink with a lemonade or yeah. even just put it into a, um, icy water and drink it. It's good for you as well. I really like um, passion fruits when they're around doing like a, a little loaf, like a, oh, I don't know, uh, um, a blueberry sort of loaf with uh, passion fruit icing on top. It's awesome. Yeah. Oh. I'm partial to a pavlova with a half inch of um, passion fruit uh, on top. A half inch. Nice. Yeah. yeah, I'd be I'd be partial to that too, and a little, little maybe a glass of sparkling, uh, sparkling wine to go with it. In the one minute we have left, John, the pick of the market as you see it. Pick of the market. Well, like I said, get in and still have your tomato salads yeah. while you're not feeling too cold. 
Um, and as you're speaking of uh, ham hocks, it's time that you can make a soup because it wouldn't hurt. We, we have soup all year round, but mm. sometimes you really look for something to warm the cockles of your heart. So, you know, we've got beautiful carrots, parsnips and celery to do that. Um, even corned beef and cabbage, now it's time to have a, a beautiful side of corned beef with oh, beautiful some more cabbage. Good idea, yeah. good idea. I like that. Uh, we had that last week, and... Um, the boss cooked two big bits and then complained that we demolished it all at once. So oh, there was on. nothing left for the next day. Not, not even and not even the water for the pasta? No, no. Um, yeah, the water, we used that as well because yeah, no. Um, yeah, we, we soaked it up and uh, it was good. Eggplant spectacular at the moment. There's um, hydro ones around, but we've got beautiful field ones that came out of Queensland. Mm. They're nice, big, shiny. Got a little bit of give, which means they're not full of seed and they're not sour or bitter, as some people say. So, you know, there are a lot of things that you can do with eggplant. Um, and again, if you can come through the market, if you're within the 5K zone, it won't last long with a bit of luck. But Hopefully. come in, have a look, design your menus in the market, eat what you feel like eating. I think that's the best way. Thank you, John. As always, uh, we love hearing from you. I uh, hope you enjoy your meal tonight, nice and simple, and uh, you get a good meal tomorrow. I will. Definitely, definitely. Thank I you, John. everybody enjoy. Have a lovely day. Great to hear from you, buddy. Uh, see you. Bye. There he is with the sights and the smells of the Queen Victoria market. It is gone past quarter to one. We're going to spend the last quarter of the show having a chat to Tina Panutsos, uh, who has been judging beers down there at the Australian International Beer Awards, and we're going to find out who won the big one. Triple R. Someone who's been labouring and labouring and tasting and tasting and assessing and assessing, and my God, what a job. I almost feel tired just thinking about what you've been doing. Tina, we return to find out what happened. First of all, welcome back. Thanks, Cam. Thanks for having me again and talking beer. Yeah, it's a pleasure. It is a pleasure. For those that haven't heard Tina before, uh, Tina, you were um, uh, you have excelled Hello? yourself. Oh, we've oh we're having problems again. Can you hear me, Tina? Yes, I can now. Oh, good. Thank God. Here we go. Both of us did a little Ooh. the freak out face. Um, Cut out again. Oh, really? Here we go. I'm turn on. There we go. Just turn that off and on, and that Hello? should fix it up. Uh, Tina, it's Carl. Can you hear Cam okay? He should be coming through. Test one, test two. They're just dropping in and out, is he? Yep. Okay, oh, we'll, we'll back Great. on. <laughs> well, look, we'll just keep on going, and if it, if it doesn't, I'm going to do interpretive dance to Carl, and he can ask the questions. How does that sound? She's, Hello? We, we've just dropped out. I don't know what's happening there, Cam. Oh, wow. I can uh, hear you loud and clear, and Tina uh, can hear me. All right, I'm going to just... I can hear you. Oh, you can. Okay, what I'm going to say is that, Tina, uh, you have spent a lot of time as one of the, the main judges at CUB, for those that uh, didn't hear the first uh, interview. Nothing coming through. Um, can you get Tina to tell us about the winner, please, Carl? Yes, uh, uh, Tina, if you can't hear Cam, just tell us about the winner for now, and then um, uh, Cam's just going to switch mics. <laughs> No problem. Um, yeah, the the awards went really well, and we ended up getting over two hundred and fifty. Uh, sorry, yeah, two thousand five hundred entries. Um, and out of all of that, the the big uh, gong uh, went to 
dollar bill for gold teeth. Um, they're based out in Ballarat, uh, here in Victoria, and they won it for a spontaneously fermented barrel-aged wild ale, which is, you know, one of those beers that uh, essentially table beers want to be really savoured and enjoyed and sipped. Um, so kudos to them. They, they produced a really great beer after a tough year for them. Um, Champion International Beer went to Sauvage, um, which is a brewery out in New Zealand, Deep Creek. Um, they also won it for a uh, best uh, wood barrel and aged beer. And I think out of the 35 um, different uh, categories or trophies that were available, it was a really great indication of the standard of beer, especially in Victoria, with 12 of our breweries in Victoria snapping up um, 35 of those trophies. But overall, the competition went really well. Good representation from international breweries. Um, there were 141 entries out of the uh, total entries. So that's a really good indication that we've got good input from international be uh, breweries demonstrating a great breadth of uh, different beers. And there were a number of different um, things that I think we noticed uh, quite a few different uh, trends happening. There was a, a huge amount of um, growth in the IPA category um, and some new entries in Best Modern. So, uh, you know, the change in, in how people are perceiving beer, how they're enjoying it and what flavours they're after mm. starts to grow a number of different categories. Can you hear me now, Tina? Yeah, I can. Hey, look, I'm, I'm back. <laughs> Tell you I could... Told you I could talk about beer underwear for me. Oh, you just you just went for it, which is which is great. Well, that that was a, just a marvelous little um, summation. So going back to the uh, the champion uh, beer was from a company which I haven't heard of, which which actually you said was a really really good thing. Yeah, look, I think that's um, Dollar Bill is based out in Ballarat. They're a small little brewery. Yep. Um, but producing some great quality beers and, and something a little less of centre for maybe the majority of, or a number of beer drinkers out there. Um, and it, it sort of reinforced that the the landscape of beers really expanding and it's starting to show a number of different um, opportunities within the space for consumers to yeah. try something different, not the run-of-the-mill or, you know, something quirky that you might not go back to for a second glass. Uh, but, yeah, it's, it's really... We've seen some really great growth, and I think the one thing that I really um, got a, a good grasp of was the consistency and the quality of beers um, coming through in the competition, not to say that that hasn't been in the past, but it's mm. an ever-evolving and really, really proud thing to say that, you know, the quality of beer and the standard of beer in Australia or what we're seeing um, is is really, really great. So all the beers that you um, were judging and looking at, they were all sound and none of them had any major faults? Or were there oh, a couple? There were a couple that might have just hadn't look, been there, so good? Probably, yeah, look, there are the, the odd occasion where some of the beers aren't um, as best represented as what the brewer may want. Um, yep. And there are a couple of reasons for that. Unfortunately, beer is a perishable product. It doesn't necessarily go off, but it does stale. So when beer does stale, it really loses that characteristic that brewers intend for that style or for that beer. So what we did see, unfortunately, is um, a bit of oxidation, which is a staling characteristic that you can get after mm -hmm. a period of time or heat. 
Um, so looking after beer is a really paramount thing and making sure that it doesn't get exposed to too much light or sun. Tina, and unfortunately, things like this creep in. Yep. Oxidation. So for a consumer, how would they know that they're uh, getting a beer that's oxidized? Because for many, many years, with uh, before the advent of uh, Stelvin, we used to know, consumers used to know what a corked wine would taste mm-hmm. like, yeah? Yeah. Um, good good uh, question, Cam, because I think some, that's one thing that I can and many people can pick up. And as soon as you've been introduced to it, yes. you, you often go say to yourself, yep, that's oxidised ah. or that's ah. corked or light struck. Um, oxidised is generally it smells a bit damp, a little bit papery or cardboardy. Cardboard. Um, so the malt character, the you know the the freshness of those nice fruity or hoppy notes really becomes quite subdued, yep. and it almost smells. And a really bad case would be it smells like the carpet of a an old pub or the bar mats or you know that really dank sort of stinky mm-hmm. pub smell. Dank's um, good. That's a little bit as of... a description. <laughs> bad to smell, but we get it when someone says dank. Yeah. Yeah, get it. Carl's nodding his head. Yeah. yeah, dank. Yeah, got it. Yeah, so that's you know that's oxidation. Unfortunately, time, heat, mm. temperature, um, temperature, heat um, really affects the the speed at which that happens, and that's probably one of the things that we notice. And it's hard not to avoid that um, beer and the t- the style of beer yes. um, can you know really enhance or show that through with a bit of uh, time on it and that that's probably one of the biggest faults as far as production or quality uh, with raw ingredients and process a lot of those faults you know didn't come across a lot of those at all and you're also um, saying that beer can get light struck and um, yeah maybe not all consumers know about this and uh the colour of the glass can affect how much light will strike the beer or affect it. Definitely. Um, colour of the glass, the packaging, um, the labelling and everything, the amount mm. of light that goes through the glass um, yeah. and even, you know, just as being outdoors uh, throws a, 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 an unfavourable flavour and yes. that's as a result of a reaction that happens with hops. And, the, and, and that's, uh, that's a direct reaction to the ultraviolet light, UV light? Yep. Yeah, yeah, yeah. After a period of time, that's why you always, you know, if you've got a barbecue or something or sitting outside, cover the beer or yes. um, drink it quickly. <laughs> but or just make sure that, you know, you're not okay. exposing it to under a nice bath in the bright sunlight because after a, a period of time, you will notice it smells a bit. Um, if you've ever smelt a skunk, I haven't, but I've been told it's very similar. I have. I used um, to live in Canada. Yeah. I have actually it yeah. once smelt and never forgotten. Yes. <laughs> Yeah, apparently so. Oh, apparently man. so. Apparently, the only but, way yeah. to get rid of it, we're digressing, is uh, to apparently wash yourself in tomato juice. But uh, that is yeah, a digression. Probably, yeah. So beer can get light struck. That's one of the things you look for the faults. But also, when we were having a chat, you were saying that the beer has to be um, representative of the style that it has been entered as. That's one of the yeah, most absolutely. important things. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I think that, and that's why there are style guidelines. When brewers enter their beers, they'll look at the style guidelines. They know what beer style they've brewed, and if it's slightly, you know, there's a, a 
different ingredient, they'll they'll definitely put it into the category that it's meant to be in, and it'll judge it'll be judged accordingly. Yep. And we look at things like being representative of the style because that's a way in which we can really start to demonstrate and to educate the public on different styles. So if we're talking about an IPA or a hazy IPA, yep. um, it's got to be representative of that style, and that's one of the categories or um, attributes that we as judges will mark the beer on being representative of that style Mm -hmm. because ultimately if it's going to win a medal or a trophy or whatever, it'll be representative of that and it provides the consumer with a a roadmap into navigating, you know, different likes and dislikes so that they can base it on a style that they can um, become familiar with and progress through from there. So when when they're not representative... You know, they might get a, a mark or half a mark off for one attribute that's not representative or overall. So generally we look at not just the quality of beer, um, but its representation to that style. We remove personal bias, obviously, as judges. You've got to be objective. Well, I hope and look so, at the Tina. Style. Oh, yes. Absolutely. Absolutely. <laughs> absolutely. Yep. absolutely. Yep. absolutely. Now, um, so where can the punter find out who won and I suppose there'd be a lot of people who'd say, well, I want to try these champions. Are they available? Yep. Um, you can find uh, all the details through RASB's um, website um, looking under Australian International Beer Awards 2021 and find a, a plethora of information there. Yes. There are different other sites, um, uh, Beer and Brewer, uh, Brews News, uh, Crafty Pint, are all different um uh, websites and, and bloggers that will and be news broadcasters that will um, provide mm-hmm. some information about that. And yeah, generally, a quick Google search on RASV AIBA 2021 will give you that information. And RASV, of course, is Royal Agricultural Society well, of Victoria. God bless them. Correct. Here we correct. go. Um, okay, Tina, look, we uh, should probably wind this down because uh well time flies tempus fugit as uh, they say in latin um look forward to having you back though at some stage we had a bit of a what were we going to talk about beer and food there was some sort of beer and food definitely boom well that's that sounds like a really really great thing um i hope you get to relax today and you uh well have uh, been able to relax after all this uh, judging that took place it was mammoth but it was great to see so many breweries come up there thank you tina well look forward to speaking with you soon thank you for taking the time out to chat with us today no problem thanks cam have a good weekend beautiful that was tina sorry about that folks with uh, sometimes we have the problems with those microphones yeah i don't know cam but we we improvised we We made it we, pir- we pirouetted. We certainly did. Thank you, Carl. We're out of here, still here after this. Hi, this is Cam Smith, and you've been listening to the podcast of Triple R's Eat It, a weekly radio show about food and drink, broadcast live on Triple R from Melbourne, Australia, every Sunday. Hope you enjoyed the podcast, and feel free to get in touch with us via the Triple R website. 